0: What the Schultz is going on around here from Fox News Radio I'm Dana Perino.
1: I'm Chris Starwald. You're not laughing I feel that that is uh, it is derivative of some of your early good work uh, like what the you've had several what the but yeah, I don't, because I, it
0: works that way. <laughs> anyway, this is Perino and Starwalt I'll tell you what
1: oh, whoa I almost laughed so hard I fell out of my chair. Um, uh,
0: this is what Jason ahead. wrote and I am just going to tell you Bonewall, this is what he wrote. The field grows and thins. That's not Hmm. funny. Hmm. That's not punny. Hmm. That's like nothing.
1: That's off-brand. That's not even derivative. That's not even Jason.
0: He must be busy, too.
1: Yeah, I would say so. You're pretty busy.
0: I'm busy. I just did my interview with Howard Schultz. Oh, how'd that go? Um, I thought it went great. So um, we did the interview for the TV show. Right. And that will air at uh, for the Daily Briefing show. And then there's an extended version that's exclusive to FoxNews.com. Oh, and that was um, longer. I'll, let me just tell you for if you're a, a journalist out there, it just makes a huge difference to do an interview like that if you have actually read the book. Yes. And because I spent 48 hours uh, uh, over the weekend reading the book, it shows. Yep. And so, you know, a lot of people who write books, you, you put so much effort into it and then you go to do the interview and maybe they'll glance at the, what the publicist has put together for a one pager. And it's just not enough. You know, Maybe for a four-minute interview it's okay. but The worst
1: um, is when they don't read the book, make presuppositions about what the book is, and then want you to defend a non-existent book.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Oh, and well, you're like, that's not the book I wrote. So, I
0: can't defend it. And get this. So I came up with uh, the, the best question. Okay. With some help. Okay. I should give the guy credit, but I'll just take credit for it. <laughs> I revised the question, and I was okay. going to um, in the first like couple of minutes. I was going to have that question in there, and I forgot. So it's in the online version, but I'll tell you what it was. Okay, tell us. I and then you can comment about this and his um, this the whole Howard Schultz thing in the last uh, seventy two hours. I said, "You're a Starbucks man running in a Dunkin' Donuts country. Mm. Like, how would you how would you appeal to them?"
1: I think that's, that is think,
0: such a great question.
1: That's very well said.
0: Thank you that so much, well and said. I blew it because I forgot well, to say it on the in, uh, and on the on the TV portion, but it's in the web version.
1: Well, I um i should uh i should say that i'm only barely thinking clearly right now cuz um my neckties exploded all over uh my new apartment as i was hurriedly yanking one necktie off of, and i knew that it was in precarious situation the neckties went everywhere um i'm not thinking clearly cuz i'm only thinking about how i think my neckties are going to be wrinkled when i get home oh okay um uh, but uh that having been said howard schultz um is appealing to the great phantom um mm-hmm. Uh, voter block. The the strong belief among rich people, college-educated people, is that other people are also fiscally conservative Mm -hmm. and socially liberal, Mm -hmm. and that that's the way that they are. And if you go among college-educated people, especially if you go among people who have graduate degrees, people in the business world, when you get into the 20% of the country, the elite, you find that um, they all think that way to some degree, or they almost all think that way to some degree or another. I'm fiscally liberal. It's it's sort of the political version of I'm spiritual but not religious.
0: Yeah, 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 because, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Because you're being not you're non-committal. You're like I'm cool. I'm I'm I I'm. Don't th- I'm not a heathen. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm progressive in a lot of ways, but I'm just worried about the money. Well, guess what? Once you get past. Uh, Upper middle and rich suburbanites and some urban dwellers. There's not a lot of folks there, and that's who Schultz is appealing to.
0: That's um. That's like Kristen Salty Sanderson has this um chart, right, in which she shows that most of the people that um would call themselves that, fiscally conservative, socially liberal. That you, if you say that, you probably know all the other people in the country who say that.
1: Her, her joke is that she that she's Facebook friends with every dot in her in her pattern.
0: Right, 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 right. And the biggest and, quadrant is, as we've said before, socially conservative, conservative. fiscally liberal.
1: Yep. Uh, and what I find very funny right now uh, is all the I heard. Schultz, I've heard Bloomberg, I've heard others say that Elizabeth Warren's tax plan that would. But no way, Schultz said that'll never get passed., uh, bro. What she has proposed is hugely popular. What she talked about when you put that in front of voters, there is no tax rate that you can apply on people with fortunes of more than fifty million dollars that would be unpopular. Short of full confiscation. Uh, and uh, the uh, Cortez um, pitch for uh, a seventy percent marginal tax rate on incomes above 10 million, five million. That would be an 80 that, – that would be – everybody other than uh, libertarian and very conservative conservatives, that would, that would win among the people who voted for Trump and – uh, who voted for Donald Trump in 2016. Uh, the Ocasio-Cortez, the Warren positions would both be popular with those voters. And if Democrats have a good year in 2020, guess what? They're going to soak the rich with high taxes, guaranteed.
0: Um, so I asked him about Elizabeth Warren. And – um, because she had said, said she had dismissed um, Bloomberg and Schultz in a, a tweet last night, saying, um, "You know, not on my watch are these two billionaires going to try to protect try to protect their buddies from having to pay up." And um, so I asked him about that, and he tells this story about how Elizabeth Warren came to him a couple of years ago, hat in hand, asking for a donation. <laughs> and I said, "Did you donate?" And he said, "No." I was like, "Huh." Interesting. That's funny. Um, That's another thing funny. that um, I didn't get too in the weeds on, but is actually just a, a, for people who listen to this podcast, if you care about like the technical way of how do you get to 270 electoral votes, um, I talked to Ty Matzdorf,
1: mm-hmm. uh
0: about the uh, getting on the ballot, just like the fiscal act of getting on the ballot, you know the mm-hmm. signatures, that every, every state is different, and how that is just really difficult, and it's very expensive. And oh, yeah. for a third-party candidate, it's hard to do.
1: Um, the the way Ross Perot did it was he had a group. It was called United We Stand. That was an outgrowth of his efforts to repatriate the remains of uh, missing in action of uh, soldiers from the Vietnam War. And he basically uh, organized and financed his own draft movement. And he said, I won't run. Unless this group, which I weirdly also control, uh, unless this group can get me on the ballot in all 50 states. And it does require a lot of money, but it also requires huge, huge organization because you've got to have signatures in a lot of places. And you have to have signatures by congressional district. And th- there, every state has a different set of requirements, and it's, it's blinding. Um, and I, I think Schultz is right about timing. Uh, he, I know, what did he say? Well, you don't want to give it. A, well, this will be yeah, after. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: What? What would, What did he say about timing?
0: He said he's going to travel around for the next few months. Yeah. Um, and I know that there are some people who think that this is all a ruse, uh, or Ooh. that you know this is a, an opportunity to sell books, and he's not oh, joking. Oh come on! No, there's somebody who told me who it was passed on to me that they think that and wanted me to ask him that.
1: <sighs> um. This would be a very stupid way to sell books. Uh, yeah.
0: And, oh, I did have a great last question for him that will be on the online version. Oh, yeah? I said, you know, well, don't bo- give so, it away. So the book, why?
1: Oh, uh, that's true. People are, it's a podcast. You're too generous.
0: So yes. um, <laughs> uh, the book is called From the Ground Up.
1: You mm-hmm. know, it talks
0: about how he started in very poor conditions, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, but you're a Starbucks man. So shouldn't it have been called From the Grounds Up? And he laughed. He's like, good point. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> you're like, puns are my game.
0: How bro. about how um, MSNBC, um, mm-hmm. M- Morning Joe, asked him, oh, Do you know how much a box of Cheerios costs? I'm like, oh, Are you kidding? You're the ones who cheered Donald Trump on. Through, this enti- through all of 2015 How do you come up with those great
1: nicknames for people? You're so hilarious. It's so great. Oh, here, let's look at tape of you demolishing Jeb Bush one more time. Oh, Howard Schultz, who do you think you are to speak to the people of this great nation? What the the? Oh, I don't do media criticism, but holy smokes, that show.
0: The other thing that I asked him about was uh, Kamala Harris, who this is just so hilarious to me. That So she does the town hall where she says she's for Medicare for all and she would do away with private health insurance, basically right. what she said. She yep. did say it. I'm like, I'll listen to it. Then yep. last night, Tuesday night, so she, her staff is sort of like, well, well, no, like obviously you need to have health insurance, blah, 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 blah. But this morning her press secretary put out a statement that said she is for Medicare for all,
1: period. So, so I, th- I think I think she uh, was the victim of CNN. Um the, the initial report about the walk back uh, was at CNN. The campaign in pretty much real time put out a statement last night that said, "Nope, she stands for Medicare for all that that's not what that is. And I don't know if it was miscommunication on her staff's part, misunderstanding at CNN, something that was supposed to be on background that was taken as a quote, but I think I think I think C- an error at CNN compounded the problem. Uh, and somebody this morning compared her to Scott Walker. Where it's like, okay, oh,
0: that was my next question for you.
1: Explain uh, well, that comparison.
0: I-, I was going to ask you about the Scott Walker thing,
1: uh, which is, hey, wow, look at this amazing person who has all the right credentials and who da 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 and has a good launch and is ex- and is expected to uh, and is expected to do very well and be a front runner. And so you get all that, and then the person starts to make errors like that. Harris is position on health insurance so how the 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 success of democrats in picking a good nominee will depend substantially on them correctly estimating how hard it will be how hard it will be to beat donald trump the obvious thought among People who are backing Bernie Sanders, people who are backing Elizabeth Warren, uh, people who are on you know at the left edge. For those folks, the assumption is Donald Trump cannot win; he is doomed. Uh, and now is the time to force the Democratic Party to swallow big left, big big left, and and do it now, and and basically hold the party down and f- and force it on them. Uh, like bad medicine. And for Democrats who are – look, having insurance for everybody – everybody having insurance is very popular with Americans. Uh, That's – you know, Americans are generous. And they say, yeah, we don't want anybody to go without health care. And if you need insurance, everybody ought to have insurance. So when she says – everything that she says sounds good to voters. It all sounds fine until – You get to the part that is. And as a consequence, either by design, off the bat, we're going to outlaw private insurance. (laughs) Um, Either that, off the bat, or it's going to die through what – remember the death spiral? Yep. Yep from Obamacare. People leave private insurance, they go on to government insurance, and then the private insurance becomes more expensive. So either way, you're talking about getting either quickly or eventually to a British-style system in which there's bad health insurance for everybody except for the elite who will buy their way out of it, either through uh, fee-for-service or through uh, special hospitals. There there will be a two-tier system. Um, It's just that there will be more people in the bottom tier. And that's not and when you do that, when you say that to voters and the Kaiser poll that was out this week that has already gotten a lot of attention, but I will refer to it again. Medicare for all. Hey, uh, Joe America, uh, would you like to uh, have Medicare for all? Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, And what if I told you it would make sure that everybody got covered? Yeah, that's why I wanted it okay, what if I told you that it would complicate your life? What if I told you that it might affect the availability of doctors and your ability to see the doctor and get the treatment that you want? What if I told you that it would mean your taxes would go up? And what if I told you that it would mean you would lose your insurance? And that goes, to, that goes from a plus 40 to a minus 45. Mm. It's, a, it's a killer. And I think David Frum wrote the piece – Um, And it's very useful, very good. Howard Schultz is doing Democrats a huge favor. Yeah. He is doing them an enormous favor because guess what? If they live uh, in in this high on hopium for the next six or eight months and say we can have whatever we want, we can do all of these things – we can have huge tax increases. We can have a free co- <laughs> free college, free college. We can have free college. We can have free health insurance. We can have everything's free, and the the kinds of taxes and deficits that that would produce would be any any Republican nominee uh, would be able to shred. And Schultz is making Democrats say, "Oh wait a minute! Oh that's right! If we go bonkers in the primary and and get do something radical." We're going to end up with – and uh, you mark my words. By the time the Democratic primary process is up, the party will come to repudiate these stances. And that Kamala Harris may not have backtracked last night, but by the end of this primary process, she will have backtracked.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. If she's still in it.
1: Oh, she'll be in it. Oh, you think so? Oh, yes. I would say if you think about your your starting line at Iowa – and uh new hampshire south carolina and then into super tuesday there it would be impossible for me to imagine at this point unless something else comes out uh it would be impossible for me at this point to imagine her not being there for the california primary on the 5th of march 2020 and that's super tuesday it's the democrats finally have their own super tuesday
0: um that'll be fun
1: well yeah and think about how new hampshire is going to be Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren attacking each other with Swiss army knives in uh, in in Dixville, Notch, New Hampshire, a fight to the death. Uh, Old white liberals fighting for the votes of uh, other old white liberals in very cold weather. It will be it will be like a it will be like uh, Ibsen. It's going to be something.
0: So on today's daily briefing, I also have Chris Christie on the same time, though. Obviously, he's been everywhere. So it's not like that's a really big get. But I love I'm glad that he's coming on. Um, Yeah.
1: And I want to hear I want I want to hear you talk to him, because a lot of the the questioning that I've seen of Christie is very good at this. He's a he's a good media personality. Yeah. And that's why he got so popular in the first place. And he knows how to deal with when he's talking to I saw him with John Heilman uh, and I forget who else I saw him with. And he is – they want him to eviscerate Jared Kushner, and he's like, I have that club in my bag. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I want to ask him what he would do um, to reset the president's um, – I guess I don't want to say presidency because I don't mean it that way, but reset uh, for the president going into the State of the Union. Like what can the president do to try to move forward? I'm just going to say, I think doing the State of the Union speech in the middle of the shutdown – negotiations is not good because it's just that's all the focus is going to be on that and the state of the union is about your proposals and going forward and the bigger story um
1: well i'm
0: wrong but i'm not wrong that's how i I I, maybe i'm wrong but my opinion is what it is i would have waited till it was done clean start fresh
1: I think, I think it's fair to say that you would have a different kind of presidency than the one that Donald Trump has had. <clears throat> I think it's fair to say you would, you would take a somewhat different approach, uh, to certain things. And, uh, what you were describing would be great. You know why? Because after, because the other thing that I bet you would do would be let the gang, and it's a very impressive group. I I'm was really impressed by what the leaders in both houses and in both parties put together for this working group. It's got people like John Tester. It's got Shelley Moore Capito. It's got pragmatic. It's got uh, it's there. There is no one. Everyone there is a person from both the House and the Senate is a person who wants to get to a deal. Mm-hmm. And they didn't put any poison pill. They didn't say, "Oh, and Tom Cotton." Ah ha 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 ha. Um, they did not put any stink bombs in. And it seems like they want to get real, a real work product here. They really want something to come out of it. And if you were the president, you, I imagine, would say, I really want this team to succeed. I really want this team to come up with something that works, that will not be no, – nobody's going to get everything that they want. But we're going to strike a big blow on this question of immigration. We're going to deal with a big chunk of this right now. We're not going to wait any longer. And you would encourage them in their work, and you'd make them look good. And then you would use the State of the Union address – after they were done with their work, to sell this product to the American people. And you would say what a crucial, important issue this is, why this is important, why you back this bipartisan legislation, and why it's going to pass and it's going to make life better. And that's what I bet you would do. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. Mm.
0: Yeah. Well, then, of course, the budget comes after the State of the Union because that's how it all works. So then we'll mm-hmm. see what their what the priorities are anyway. So – that. I, think I, had- the
1: priorities, I think the priorities will also include spending a trillion dollars that they do not have. I think that is another one. <laughs> did, you that,
0: an- um, did you see that report yesterday that the deficit increases are all a result of spending, not the president's tax cuts?
1: Yep. The, CBA, the I CBO asked Schultz had- about that. What did he say? I said,
0: would you actually take on the very issue of spending and entitlements? But then and, I did only had like 2 minutes left so I didn't want to say like and how would you do that? So maybe he'll come back, who knows.
1: Maybe he'll maybe he'll come back. Maybe he'll maybe he'll announce with you.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: you did read his book. He, that when he's doing the announcement decision he'll say, you know, Perino was the only one who really read it. Um, <laughs> but, but Well, <laughs> think, you know, think, there's some
0: really interesting things in there. It's very well written. And you know I've been involved in a lot of books, uh I've done oh, yeah. the PR for a lot of books. I've written a couple of books, but um and I read a lot of books. The, what I really like about this one is how they sprinkle the stories throughout. I, I mean, it, it might be a little bit annoying for people picking it up to read now because having n- knowing what you know now, which is that he's planning to run for president, you can tell then that it's foreshadowed through the entire book. Yeah. It's like and I was yeah, yeah, thinking, yeah, yeah. you know, like, and I and, and I thought how do you become more than just a bystander, right? So like sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe they didn't need to do that. But okay, that said, that's He's pretty honest about his tough upbringing. Um you know, he uh was in a house where bill collectors would call and oh, his yeah. parents made him answer <clears throat> the phone.
1: Oof. And he and grew up, in, in, you know, he grew up in the projects in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: And um his dad, uh, the other thing that was very touching and this is in the uh extended online version
1: mm-hmm.
0: of the interview. Um he talks about and Scott Pelley had this on the 60 minutes interview where there's a time when he's 15, he says a bad word to his mom, something off. And then he's in the shower and all of a sudden his dad comes in and he starts beating him up and beats the crap out of him in the shower. And he said, I never forgave my dad until decades mm. later. And then so you read further on and um, his dad served in World War II in the South Pacific, came home with yellow fever. And the one topic you could not talk about in the Schultz household was the war. So fast forward, I think 2014, 2015, um, he, Bob Gates, who left the Obama administration as Secretary of Defense, goes back to Seattle and he joins the Starbucks board. He says, you know, we ought to do more for veterans. Okay, like, what should we do? So they start looking into it a little bit more. He meets with Wounded Warriors. He realizes he talks to this one um, soldier who says, I have more anxiety about going on a job interview than I do about going back to Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And he's like, wow, we could maybe do something here. But then Pete I can't remember the last name it's a general. um he also grew up in Seattle, and he tells Howard Schultz you know the the because the, they visit um Walter Reed and they see a lot of wounded warriors, and it's tough. I've been there, I know it's yeah. very tough, and you feel humble and um grateful for their service, and he says, yes, but howard th- these are the wounds that you can see, so the wounds you can't see that are worse, and so he starts digging in and learns a lot more about p t s d and it dawns on him yeah. that his father probably had PTS, but it was never discussed or treated. And I just think that was kind of an interesting like revelation. He also talks about how his mother had um, terrible depression. And there's like one scene where when he's a kid and all of a sudden the mother's is being um, wheeled out in a stretcher. Not a stretcher. Yeah, stretcher, right? Uh, to go to the yep. am- ambulance. Yep. And, um, but nobody ever says why. And he doesn't find out until years later that they did, very crudely at the time, electric shock therapy oh. um, to try to help the mother. And so um, oh. he had a fraught childhood. Um, I'll say.
1: And... But he got a scholarship to go to northern Michigan to play football.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And sports, like like it is for a lot, a lot, a lot of people.
0: Yep. Sports was a is out. the way out.
1: Sports is the way out of, of – of, of, it's an escape from a home, but it's also a vehicle for advancement, and it teaches people discipline. It gives them centeredness. Uh, the, the greatest – one of the greatest things about our country is our love of sports. And when people get – I think about guys like Schultz. When we talk about – and we are amusing ourselves to death. We pay too much attention to other things. But you look at the difference in one young man's life. By being part of a team, by being part of something bigger than himself, by having a place to be and go, unlock the talents of this person who would go on to change the way we live, that we all live.
0: Yep. Yep. So anyway, it was good. I could go on and on because I read the book. But that's that, just, again, a lesson to <laughs> people out there that read are the in book. this business. Um, if you put in the time to read the book, your interviews will be better. And if the book really sucks, your yep. interview will still be better because
1: you could call them on it. Right, that's true. Or you could just say, yeah, we're moving on. Yeah, we're okay, okay fine. This. Let's talk about yeah, we'll... something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about something I had a men- talking...
0: mentoring event good. in DC last week. How did it was go? Great. Great, great. We did a uh, um, partnership with WeWork, and mm-hmm. we had about 140 young women uh, attend. Uh, Lauren Fritz, who you know, is there. She actually works at the WeWork, and Lauren she Fritz. helps sponsor the absolutely great Lauren Fritz. Her mom, Barbara Fritz, listens to the podcast. Hey, Barb. Hi, and then Erin uh, Landers was there because she's on the board of Minute Mentoring, um, and so she was there. So hi, Erin, and also hi, Jenny Landers, Erin's mom.
1: Jenny Landers, who I is, I want Jenny Landers to know that Dana is torturing me with pictures of your food and making me. <laughs> I'm going to see them it. this weekend too, and I bet um, it'll be delicious.
0: The other thing I was going to say though about the Minute Mentoring thing, I'll tell- I'll tell you, uh, I always learn a lot from the panelists and the other mentors there because I'm like, oh wow, I hadn't thought about that. Um, One of the questions that the young ladies had was, when do you know that it's the right time to leave a job? And so everybody had a different answer. But everyone had a different answer on that. But um, Evan Ryan from Axios, she said that one of the pieces of advice she got from someone one day was when she was working at the uh, Obama White House. And she did um, like intergovernmental affairs, so she was in charge of being in touch with the governors and mayors and all that. And she loved it. But she had this opportunity to go to the State Department, but she really didn't want to leave the White House because the White House is hard to leave. So she sought out this mentor of hers who asked her, she's like, so are you barely above water or are you floating? And, but basically what she meant was if you're floating, it's time to leave. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to leave the actual organization that you're with, but you should seek out other opportunities within that organization or you should yeah, move when on. It,
1: it's uh, the... Uh, our spiritual professional uh and emotional every uh, every component of our life is like the physical one and which is you have to be pushing yourself a little bit right no matter where you are where you're starting or what you're doing you have to be pushing yourself a little bit and when your job becomes autopilot that's a that is a great sign. That is a, a great sign where you can where it becomes mechanical and you can go through it and you and your brain and you can turn your brain off for uh, more and more of it. Then it's time to figure out something else to do. Not just because you should and because it's good to advance your career, but also because that's what makes life interesting. The challenge, the, the, mm-hmm. the as as frustrating as there it's those challenges, uh, and that make our brain sharp, that make life interesting and make it fun.
0: One of the hardest questions I got was, "How do you relax?"
1: And you are like, like, "I don't."
0: Um, I just spent forty-eight <laughs> hours reading Howard Schultz's book for this interview. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, but we talked about exercise <laughs> and everything. But this is what I was going to <clears> tell <throat> you. Um, a friend of mine sent um, some young women staffers at work for him, and or work at his organization. And one of them sent an email of feedback, which was just great to get all this feedback um, and hear what they liked, what they what they would like changed, or. But they all walked away very energized and inspired. But one of the young women said that. She really appreciated it because we encouraged them to write down all of the advice that they hear, mm-hmm. and this woman said that she has been keeping a journal for her daughter, in which she includes advice like this.
1: Oh, I, you do. So that remember, when you're older,
0: when when the little girl is older, she can look back and think, look at all of this advice that is right there in one book for her that her mom thought was important.
1: Do you love remember, that story? Remember something that was very popular. Uh, when we were high school age, maybe uh, was Life's Little Instruction Book.
0: I love that. Yeah. Uh,
1: and many, many a high school graduate uh, was was given that uh, back in the early 90s. Um, and it's a wonderful thing. It's it started as cards that uh, the son was going off to college. And so the dad just started making a list of, well, and also make sure you do. and And it's some of the things are are grand and some of the things are very simple, um, like the advice, which is uh, the same advice my father had and the same advice that I use. Patronize the gas station closest to your home, even though the gas is more expensive, because when you need them
0: to mm-hmm. jump
1: your battery mm-hmm. to do, to help you, they will know you and you will do better with them. It is a, It is a worthwhile investment. So it includes stuff like that. And I believe the last one is call your mother. Um, and i think I think little compendia like that I think that's such a brilliant idea to keep all of that these neat? good good ideas and then and then one day you know what else that'll be that'll be a gift for somebody going to college that can be a gift for somebody who is at a milestone point in their life like here's some stuff to think about.
0: Exactly. So did you Super. do um, – since we only have about 10 minutes, do you have um, I did the mailbag. Mailbag. And I have three I trivia – four trivia questions. Four trivia okay, questions.
1: Okay. We'll mailbag quickly. But I want I want it to be known that I, mailbag critic, mm-hmm. tweeted the mailbag and am here standing because the response is that people want the mailbag.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, your oh, we've ice. got to figure
0: out the podcast next Wednesday because it's a State of the Union and then I'm on the train coming back. It'll be great. We gotta figure. We'll that figure out. it out. Okay. We'll
1: do it early or late or uh, uh, standing on our heads. Joel um, Ice, favorite Super Bowl food? Queso. Fair. Chicken wings, but that's my answer to a lot of things. Uh, Eric Wild, is Dana a good shot? We're skipping if she's ever shot a gun because Wyoming.
0: Do you know? I think I've never answered this question in public. Okay. Um, yeah, that's right. I grew up in Wyoming and Colorado. Families, ranchers. Um. I've never shot a gun.
1: Shut your lion mouth.
0: Never. Um, I have a great respect for the yeah, yeah, Second yeah. Amendment. I've uh, advocated for protections for the Second Amendment. But my mom, as I recall, this is what I remember. Maybe my mom would disagree with me. But as I as I recall, my mom did not want my sister and I around them, around guns. And I just never did. I think I was maybe afraid. Yep. Um, I have nothing against uh, people owning guns legally. But no, right. I've never shot one.
1: Oh, my gosh. So here is the breaking – there's the breaking
0: news.
1: (laughs) We we won't tell anyone, though.
0: Yeah, right.
1: We don't want to hurt your street cred. Um, I'm actually kind of proud of it now. Yeah, well, that's sort of like me in the movie Titanic. I haven't seen Mm -hmm. it this long. I'm not going to break down and watch Titanic now. I've held held out this long. Why break the streak? Um, Okay. Um, Is Dana hopeful that her New Year's predictions about Brady and the Patriots will be correct?
0: So I predicted that the Rams would win it all, and that Brady is going to retire at the end of this year. I think that I could be correct about the Rams. I think I'm wrong about the retirement.
1: I think he's going to retire.
0: Okay, well we'll see. I mean, I have a pretty damn good track record.
1: I know, and as soon as you said it, I was convicted of its rightness. (laughs) When you said Tom Brady is going to retire, I said, "Yep."
0: And then I had, um, I think Jesse Waters asked me, "How did you know about the Rams that they were?" This is when they made it to the Super Bowl. And the next day then Jesse said, "How did you know that when you said that on New Year's and I said, because Hamda my assistant right. um went to USC she's a Trojan and there are three Trojans that play for the Rams and she follows football very closely, so she told me so I just went with her
1: i it it, it worked I don't I, I think but I do think you I do think that your uh forecasts are in conflict with each other I think that, I know Brady would be much more likely <laughs> to retire. I didn't after think a he win. was going to
0: make it to the Super Bowl, that's why I said he was oh, going to retire. All
1: right. Here's here's a one I really like. I love this question. Amy Buchanan. Who is someone you think would be a great president within or outside of politics, regardless of whether they would ever run or not? What are the characteristics about them that would make them a great president? Who's somebody that – and I I, I say this in my speeches that I give. I talk about this a lot with people, which is – You know great leaders. Everybody in this room, everybody Mm. within the sound of our voice knows people who would probably be wonderful presidents. We know teachers or coaches or dads or headmistresses or whoever it is. You know, uh, my eldest man-child would be a pretty good – he knows a lot of stuff and he's very fair-minded. But my my point is there are a lot of great leaders in our midst. There are a lot of great leaders around us and we know those people. Politics is so horrible – that very few of them will ever be anywhere around it, but the world's full of these folks. So who who would you say if you if you could well, snap your fingers?
0: I, I guess I'll just say what first came to mind, and it is somebody who we um, know in politics and who's someone who actually considered running for president, um, and that is Mitch Daniels, who oh gosh, was the yes. governor of Indiana, and he's now the president of Purdue
1: University. He, yeah, Chan- Chancellor of Purdue. Yep.
0: And the reason I think that he, that is because um, he is a creative person, yep. innovative. If yep. you look at some of the things that they've done um, at the government level in Indiana to, um, you know, they could, the first thing that he tackled when he was governor was improve the DMV. Yep. Empower the employees. Give them the- Customer empo- service. Ho- customer yep. service. Um, empower them to give them bonuses if they were able to meet certain targets. Now he's at um, the university. He's figuring out a way to reduce tuition costs, to figure out a way to get people hired early on, et cetera. So I feel like he's- He's super persuasive, and he's able to to have a big creative idea and bring the uh, stakeholders along with him.
1: So that's whether that right.
0: be the board or the cabinet or the or the um, citizens of Indiana, Indian Indiana I'm sorry, in, Indiana. Indiana. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I and, think that he would be good. Now he um, is not the most like charismatic speaker you're ever going nope. to have, um, and I think obviously I know that that's critically important to actually winning an election, but in terms of what would work for being a good president i think that he has those qualifications oh
1: yeah, I, I i wish you know but part of it is and i would just say to our to amy our questioner a lot of this is i wish that we had a politics that was worthy of this country and i wish that we had a mitch daniels is a perfect example mitch daniels is an exemplary he is a conservative republican but he is also an exemplary kind of leader. He's inclusive, he brings people together, he helps people reach consensus. He is creative, he does all of those things. But as you point out, when he did dabble with running, uh what the consequences were for his family, and then, as you say, well, he's not you know he's too short and he doesn't have enough hair, so he can't do that and of course, Dwight Eisenhower was not exactly Robert Redford. um I would the, add
0: one other person hit me, Keith Hennessy.
1: Who the I worked, dog. Uh, the
0: uh, who I worked with at the, at the White House and is a dear dear friend. He's a professor um, over at Stanford. Um, he is so smart. Ah, oh, so
1: smart. He is so funny, he is, so
0: kind, so wonderful. Yeah, I'm going to put him at the top of the list.
1: He is super smart. He would be he, that would be a really that would be a very interesting administration. And talk about creative, he would come up he would come up with some really fascinating stuff. Uh, I think Nick Saban would be an excellent president. I think. He would be a – whatever you think about the University of Alabama, uh, I think he would be a really good president because uh, I think that his ability to hold together to, – to maintain excellence at this kind of level for this long, not have rules violations, do it what appears to be clean, uh, and and do it in the way that he has is, is enormously impressive. I think Nick Saban would be – and I'm not just saying this because he's a West Virginian. Uh, I think Nick Saban would be a heck of a good president.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: All right. Do you want more? Or is it time for your massive trivia I think we got a trivia. Explosion? Yep, okay. Because
0: yep, yep, yep. I got to go buy some tequila for Chris Christie. <laughs> I'm not going to let Colbert show me up.
1: Wait. He did shots with what?
0: Yeah. He did shots with Colbert last night on the on the tube.
1: Oh, boy. Yep. Oh, no. I want to ask this one. If you and Dana were to write a book together, what would it be about? What would you and I write a book about?
0: I think citizenship, right? Like, yep. Um. Civics, yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, not gonna be. be it's not gonna be a food book right now. I'll tell you that.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, here's the questions. Ready? Um, State of the Union related. Okay, okay. I'm gonna tell you so the sta- I'm going to tell you the quote from the State of the Union. You tell me the president that said that. Oh lord, this is hard because they all say the same thing over and over. I know. Okay, um, number one. We are fortunate to be alive at this moment in history. Never before has our nation enjoyed at once so much prosperity and social progress with so little internal crisis or so few external threats.
1: George H.W. Bush.
0: No, that was Bill Clinton in 2000. I, it
1: had to be one of the two. It had to be one of the two.
0: Dag it. Right, because you don't do a State of the Union address in your first year. That Dang. was in Bill Clinton in 2000, and it was the year later. That they're like, do 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 do
1: History has returned. Hello.
0: Okay, number two. Cutting taxes now is essential if we are to turn the economy around. A tax cut offers the best hope of creating more jobs. Unfortunately, it will increase the size of the budget deficit. Therefore, it is more important than ever that we take steps to control the growth of federal expenditures. Boy, how quaint is that. It's
1: got to be Ronald Reagan. Gerald Ford,
0: 1975.
1: Geez, I'm getting crushed.
0: Number three, many of you in this chamber are among my oldest friends. We have shared many happy moments and many hours of work, and we have watched many presidents together. Yet, only in the White House can you finally know the full weight of this office. Lyndon Johnson? Yes.
1: Oh, finally. What what, what was the clue? Because he was the master of the Senate. He had served in the House. He had been in Uh, Congress since the earth cooled. I see. Okay. And and he also used the State of the Union to great effect.
0: Oh, interesting. Number 4. Tomorrow our children will go to school and study history and how plants grow, and they won't have as my children did, air raid drills in which they crawl under their desks and cover their heads in case of nuclear war.
1: As my children did. As my children did. As my children did, you say.
0: Hmm. Mhm.
1: It that 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 HW Bush again. It is I got it? Yeah. So yay! Bad. I was 50-50. I'll take it. Not so
0: bad right now. That's like, that's what I'll the president it. says are the chances of getting a shutdown deal um, it said less averted. Than,
1: less than 50-50. Yeah, but by the way, in the 30 seconds we have left, I think there's a pretty decent chance they'll jam them.
0: You know, I was kind of annoyed with somebody yesterday. I'm not going to name her, but oh, okay. a Democratic congresswoman wanted to come on the show or agreed to, I shouldn't say, we wanted to have her on the show. Yep. She's going to be negotiating um, this deal. But it was such happy talk. Like, we are so hopeful and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you guys are going to totally jam him.
1: Well, sure. They have to jam him. Yeah. So I don't want to hear the happy talk. Let's just, I mean, like,
0: let's stop talking about the show. I don't want to talk about that until they have a deal to discuss or whatever.
1: I agree. What I do want to do is
0: eat right now. I'm having one of those moments.
1: You need all the food. Okay, that was fun. Yeah, we did it.
0: Okay. For more podcasts, go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget, subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Please leave us a review. This has been Perino and Starwaltz. I'll tell you what on Fox News Radio.